Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Friday, November 6th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Scientists have discovered more information about an absolutely hellish, inhospitable planet. And it's not the one you think. Colorado passed a first-ever-of-its-kind ballot measure to reintroduce a species of animal to its state. An intriguing, if not yet promising, coronavirus deterrent in the form of a nasal spray. And the secret writing life of former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Scientists have discovered what headlines are variously calling the most extreme planet, the most inhospitable planet, and a bizarre hell planet. No, they have not rediscovered Earth, even though it may feel that way a bit this year. The planet in question is called K2141b. It's a planet so close to its star that one year takes only seven hours, which again, feels a bit like the year 2020 here. K2-141b is basically the thing of planets, you know, from Fantastic Four. Its surface, ocean, and atmosphere are all made of rock. On the planet, rock vaporizes into rocky rain that falls into an ocean of molten lava. In some ways, it's similar enough to Earth that it's categorized by NASA as a super-Earth. It's five times the mass of our planet. And K2-141b's star is an orange dwarf star that's far younger than our sun, and 0.7% of the distance away from K2-141b as we are to our sun. This proximity locks it in place gravitationally, meaning that two-thirds of the planet faces the star at all times, leading it to reach over 5,400 degrees Fahrenheit. Quoting CBS News, it's hot enough to not only melt rocks, but also vaporize them, creating a thin, inhospitable atmosphere. The rest of the planet is cloaked in never-ending darkness, reaching frigid temperatures of negative 328 degrees Fahrenheit, end quote. Some of these findings come from a new study published in the journal Monthly Notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. Quoting Forbes, Just as water evaporates, rises into the atmosphere, condenses, and falls back as rain here on Earth, on K2-141b, the same cycle may occur with sodium, silicon monoxide, and silicon dioxide on K2-141b. This mineral vapor formed by evaporated rock appears to be swept to the planet's night side by those supersonic winds where rocks fall as rain into the magma ocean. It's thought to be a much slower cycle than that water cycle on Earth, but K2141b's extreme weather could, say the scientists, permanently change the surface and atmosphere of K2141b over time. End quote. And that's just one of the things that's pretty cool about this finding. Co-author of the study Nicholas Cohen said, quote, All rocky planets, including Earth, started off as molten worlds, but then rapidly cooled and solidified. Lava planets give us a rare glimpse at this stage of planetary evolution, end quote. So not only is K2141b fascinating in general and rife for jokes about this particular moment in time, but studying it further could give us some deeper insight into how our own planet evolved so many eons ago.
The world is watching the U.S. presidential election results slowly come in, but this week's election was not just for the president. There were some key Senate races, the House race, tons and tons of local elections, including a lot of local ballot measures. Some notable ones you may have heard about were Prop 22 in California, which passed and means that ride-hailing companies like Uber and Lyft do not have to abide by a recent California law entitling gig workers to the same benefits as employees. And there were the several U.S. states that passed marijuana legalization laws, as well as Oregon, who took a big step to shift drug addiction from a criminal offense to a public health concern by decriminalizing the possession of small amounts of hard drugs like cocaine and meth. But there's one interesting ballot measure out there that I didn't have on my radar previously at all. Voters in Colorado have just approved Proposition 114, which will require the state to reintroduce the gray wolf population. As Arthur notes, this is the first time in U.S. history that a ballot measure has required a state to bring back a species that disappeared due to human actions. But what does bring back exactly mean? Quoting Arthur, State wildlife officials in Colorado will be required to develop an evidence-based recovery plan for wolves, which haven't called the state home for decades. The proposition stipulates that gray wolves be restored to the mountainous portions of the state west of the Continental Divide by the end of 2023, with input from the public. And quoting further along in the article, the restoration plan ordered by Proposition 114 requires that a sufficient population of wolves be reintroduced to ensure stability over time, and that the wolves be released on designated public lands. The cost of the project is not yet known, but the Denver Post floated an estimate between $5 million to $6 million over the next six years, which doesn't sound like very much. The new law will require that ranchers who lose livestock to wolves must be compensated, similar to programs in Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. The program could also provide major economic benefits, including how wolves might lead to increased tourism. This happened to Yellowstone National Park after wolves were reintroduced in 1995, and visitors continue to flock to see the wolves with their own eyes. Beyond dollar signs, the park's ecosystems have also seen changes and benefits as well as they recalibrate to the wolves' presence, end quote. Now, despite that compensation for ranchers, opponents of the proposition, which passed with just a 50.4% margin, are concerned about the effects on ranching, farming, and hunting. Though Arthur notes that when those wolves were reintroduced in Yellowstone, there were minimal effects on hunting, farming, and ranching, and that the same is true in Canada, where wolves have always lived. Proponents of the proposition are largely urban dwellers looking to restore a bit of balance to the ecosystem of their state. Notably, just last week, the gray wolf was removed from the list of endangered species by the Trump administration, thereby losing federal protections. It's pretty wild to see this type of conservation measure actually voted on as a proposition, and, you know, maybe we will see more like it in the future. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding expectations, simplifying lives, and establishing legacies that last for generations. Leverage their exclusive network of experts to help achieve your personal and professional financial goals. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect to a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. 
So I know that many of our eyes are glued on the election news today, but we can't forget that COVID-19 continues to take the lives of thousands of people around the world. Just yesterday, the U.S. broke its own record for most cases in a day, over 120,000. It is a horrific trend that I think we all need to continue to stay cognizant of. But there are whispers of good news, especially in the realm of scientists around the world who continue to work tirelessly for cures, treatments, and tools to contain or prevent the spread. An interesting one that I read about in the New York Times today is a nasal spray that could protect against infection. This comes from a new, quite small study from a team of international scientists that has not yet been peer-reviewed and not yet tested on humans, so don't get your hopes up too much. They did, however, test on ferrets, and in those tests, it completely protected the ferrets from the coronavirus. Quoting the New York Times, The spray, which attacks the virus directly, contains a lipopeptide, a cholesterol particle linked to a chain of amino acids, the building blocks of proteins. This particular lipopeptide exactly matches a stretch of amino acids in the spike protein of the virus, which the pathogen uses to attach to a human airway or lung cell. Before a virus can inject its RNA into a cell, the spike must effectively unzip, exposing two chains of amino acids in order to fuse to the cell wall. As the spike zips back up to complete the process, the lipopeptide in the spray inserts itself, latching on to one of the spike's amino acid chains and preventing the virus from attaching. It's like you're zipping a zipper, but you put another zipper inside so the two sides cannot meet, said Matteo Parado, a microbiologist at Columbia University and one of the paper's authors. End quote. The scientists describe the spray as non-toxic, stable, and lasting about 24 hours, attaching to the cells in the nose and the lungs, so a daily dose could protect you from infection. Dr. Ann Moscano, a pediatrician and microbiologist at Columbia and co-author of the study, was so confident she said, quote, If it works this well in humans, you could sleep in a bed with someone infected or be with your infected kids and still be safe. End quote. I mean, that sounds incredible, but of course we are a very, very far ways away from this nasal spray becoming a reality, if indeed it ever moves on beyond this initial study. Still, very reassuring to hear just how much work is being done in all different directions. There is reason to have hope, for sure. Stacey Abrams, former candidate for governor of Georgia, has been making headlines this week for the incredible organizing she did in Georgia and other states to combat voter suppression, largely being hailed as a key figure who helped bring more people to the polls this year. Abrams is a lawyer, the former minority leader in the Georgia House of Representatives, someone who has led the charge in registering over 800,000 voters in the last couple of years, and also a prolific author. Writing under the name Selena Montgomery, Abrams has published a memoir and eight romance novels, the first of which, The Rules of Engagement, was written while she was a law student at Yale. Now, this is something that I've known since Abrams first hit national headlines during her run for governor, but anytime she comes into the spotlight again, I see a bunch of people discovering this fun fact for the first time, so I thought I'd share it today for anyone who hadn't heard it yet. 
While her memoir came out in 2018, her most recent novel before that was published way back in 2009. But now, while she's been doing all of this intensive outreach and organizing, she has somehow managed to write yet another novel. While Justice Sleeps is a political thriller set to come out in May 2021. Quoting Oprah Magazine, Her romantic suspense novels include the love stories of a lawyer and sheriff, two undercover agents, and a sexy ethnobotanist, all with the goal of illustrating that black women can be as adventurous and attractive as any white woman in fiction, as she told the Washington Post. Telling a well-crafted story is hard, full stop, she said. Regardless of genre, good writing is good writing. Romance is one of the oldest forms of storytelling, and I'm honored to be in the company of extraordinary writers. End quote. And as Abrams had said previously, quote, the act of writing is integral to who I am. I'm a writer, a politician, a tax attorney, a civic leader, and an entrepreneur. I'm proud of what I've accomplished. End quote. I mean, heck, I struggled to get this podcast out the door today in between refreshing election results, and she somehow managed to write an entire novel on top of her much more demanding job. Dang. Seriously impressive. And while we're discussing public figures with surprising literary backgrounds, I'll just leave you with this fun tidbit. Actor Chris Pine, who you may remember sent Twitter a buzz over the summer when a paparazzi photo of him emerged wearing a mask and holding an overflowing bag of books from Los Angeles's famed Skylight Books. To those in the know, that photo might not have been too surprising. Chris Pine was an English major, and according to poet Dana Coster, quite a good writer, even of the <clears throat> romantic variety. Coster tweeted in 2017, quote, I student taught an erotica class at UC Berkeley in 2002, and Chris Pine was in it. He is a fantastic writer and was never creepy, even though we were all constantly discussing sex, end quote. Does Chris Pine perhaps have a secret line of romance novels under a nom de plume just like Selena Montgomery, a.k.a. Stacey Abrams? Probably not, but hey, you never know. Stacey Abrams' novels have been a shock to many people. Who knows what other public figures have secretly authored books? But for now, if you want to check out Abrams' books, a list of all of them is at the link in the show notes. That is it for this week. As always, this show is produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go work on finishing up my latest romance novel. I mean, uh, taking the rest of the day off. I hope you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday.